Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. in November, so I'd be looking to have a breast lift and maybe a tummy tuck, 55, is this a problem? No. The only thing, so gastric sleeve in November, um, breast lift and maybe a tummy tuck. So the breast lift and maybe a tummy tuck and 55 is no problem at all. Um, that's absolutely fine. Uh, the only um, issue with that, I would say, is the fact that the gastric sleeve is in November which isn't that long ago. Um, so the thing about doing um, surgery on patients is that the weight should be stable. And so you probably, I suspect, haven't, you may not even got to a stable weight and you, uh, even if you have, it hasn't been stable for long. Now you might be just asking the question, um, yeah, okay, so you're not thinking of having surgery soon. So that's the only thing I would say. Just got to be stable and comfortable with your weight. You don't want to have weight fluctuations after surgery is the main thing. But being 55 and having a breast lift, plus or minus, or something like that, is absolutely no problem at all. And actually, to be honest with you, what has happened in medicine in general, it, it, we have actually gone away a bit from the age thing. Um, when I was in um, two stone, wow, from November as well, with Christmas as well, well done you. When I was in um, doing breast reconstruction, um, you know, it, I had patients who were in their 70s, you know, I was operating doing breast reconstructions on, on patients in their 70s, and it has become more of a sort of health thing than an age thing, meaning if you're healthy, the age is no longer a criteria in itself. Um, however, if you're not healthy, it doesn't matter what your age is, if you've got diabetes, if you've got um, Anyway, you know, immunosuppressed for whatever reason or, or, or whatever, um, or DVTs or PEs or history, you know, then there might be a problem there if you've got medical problems. But um, age in itself is not a problem. And even if age was a problem, 55, come on, people. Who amongst us is not 55? Clearly not me, but, um, you know, some people, are, you know, 55 is nothing, is what I'm saying. 55 is not an, an, an old age. 55 is young. Um, before sleeve, I had type 2 diabetes, high blood, right, too long. Yeah, so this, this, those could be a problem, but yeah, as, you, as you've um, intimated, having the sleeve and losing weight can often help with those sorts of problems because they're often due to the weight. So um, yeah, so you, you know, as long as you're healthy, that, that's the main thing um, in terms of your age. And as long as you're comfortable and stable with your weight, then that uh, you should be good to go, G to G. Charlotte's got a question over here on Facebook. Um, I'm having a tummy tuck end of Feb, very exciting. Just a standard full tummy tuck, fine. Um, uh, a muscle repair unlikely, how soon can I return to the gym? Okay, so basically this would depend on how well it heals, Charlotte, number one, but just in general terms, because clearly we don't know how it's gonna heal, no one knows that. But um, I would normally say to you that the, well, first of all, talk, talk to your surgeon. If I'm your surgeon, talk to me. Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, it, uh, it, the, the, the wound will be healed in a week. The, the skin should be healed in a week. But there'll be little bits where they'll probably not be quite healed off. So the dressing's on for a week. After that week, take the dressing off. There's probably little bits that aren't quite fully healed. So probably two to three weeks to get the wound healed, ideally. Sometimes it takes longer. But let's just talk in a sort of average situation. I'm going to say two to three weeks to get the wound healed. Things like um, the driving and what have you. Now, walking for it straight off the bat, you'll be walking, but you're bent over double, you'll be a bit uncomfortable. Um, things like driving, I would again say two to three weeks. Two weeks might be okay, three will be safer. It's hard to guarantee that everyone's going to be okay at three weeks, um, but most people are, um, sorry, hard to be, hard to guarantee everyone's going to be okay at two weeks, but most people will be okay at three weeks um, in terms of driving. And then, um, Getting into the gym, I personally, and I think everyone's different on this one, Charlotte, so I'm a bit wary about this. I don't want to uh, tread on anyone's toes, but I personally say after two weeks, 
if you feel up to it, you can start doing lower body stuff like the stepper. Um, I believe it's called the cross trainer. Thinking of joining the gym as well, myself, by the way. Um, led by my daughter. She wants to go. Um, do it a few years ago now, before lockdown, cancelled over lockdown, never re, re, um, re um, nude it. Sorted. <clears throat> oh, is this the microphone? Gosh, I don't got the right mic. I hope the microphone's been all right. Um, anyway, so yeah, the stepper, um, the exercise bike, stuff like that. After two or three weeks, should be okay. Nothing too much with your with your core, and that's whether or not you've had. Obviously, if you have your muscle repair, it's going to be worse. But even if you had had muscle repair, you don't want to put tension on the wound. I'm going to say at least a month, probably six weeks before you're going to start doing anything with your abdomen. Um, in terms of, I don't know what you want to do, but anything with your core, I would say um, at least for probably six weeks before you start. And even then you just start with it, Charlotte, just um, start gently and see how you feel. You might still feel uncomfortable. It might still be a bit swollen. It does take a few months for things to settle. So, um, you know, six weeks you can start getting stuff, but um, just go gently on it. It does take a few months to get back on your feet and to get into stuff like the gym or what have you. And I know it's difficult if you've been doing a lot of the gym and trying to get yourself in a good situation for the tummy tuck, and then you have to stop for six weeks. I know that's a big deal, but um, it is a good thing to to, to let let it all heal and, and knit together. What you got, Rebecca? I've had no problem with my sleeve. I'm so happy, but still can't eat solids. Good. <clears throat> well, that's good, Rebecca. Um, it's good for the sleeves working and that's so that that uh, hopefully that will all go well and uh, well done on on that and i'm pleased that it's all gone well over christmas because having it in november is obviously is a run on that check this out for a comment wow vor.ong sorry about that i'm not um can't um don't know what that means um stuart marshall long time no see stuart i'm having a mons lift on thursday look at that I've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Will it affect my recovery? It might. It might, uh, Stuart. It might. Um, I wouldn't have said it's a um, any sort of contraindication or anything to the surgery, but it can give you fatigue and make it more difficult for you to get back on your feet and get going again. But I don't think there's any um, specific problems with the actual surgery you're having, Stuart. Um, in terms of um, of healing, etc. So I think that should all be fine. So don't don't worry about that. But um, yeah, just might knock you back a bit more. I would say um, this is a pro setup, isn't it? Is it? I don't even know if it's this microphone or that one. Hello, hello. Anyway, oh here we go. Hey Stuart, Rebecca is on Instagram. This is it. I'm. I don't know if you know. I'm dual broadcasting this rebecca says stuart i had fibromyalgia not anymore after my sleeve so there you go um rebecca was had fibromyalgia and no, no more after her sleeve but um but yeah i would say to that stuart it might knock you back yeah but i don't think there's any problem with with um having surgery and good luck with everything and, and be trying to be positive about it i don't want to put a negative uh, vibe on it, um, that you, but uh, but yeah, don't be surprised if it does knock the back of it. Um, Seely, long time no see, happy new year. Hashtag ask JJ, even though not asking a question, but she is. Here we go. Seely, not eating solids is an issue if more than four weeks out. Check with your team. Okay, I think you're talking to Rebecca here. Okay, Seely, um, Rebecca, Seely is on um, Facebook, and Seely is an expert in terms of, um, but gastric sleeves and stuff which i'm not um so there you go Seely says check with your team if you're not eating solids more than four weeks out uh here we go after sleeve yeah maxine higgs hello is that a clapping or waving i don't know whatever it is um what we got lots of best bed rest sounds good to me lol Stuart, hold on a minute. Got to keep moving though. If you are breastfeeding, keep moving. Don't when you're getting a DVT, PE. These are serious complications. Keep moving, but you will. Yeah, it will knock you back. Bit of um, bit of the old Netflix, but keep everything moving. Keep pottering around. Do try and do try and you know get up and about, but try not to be too hard on yourself if it's difficult. Um, what's going on on Facebook? I mean, what's the other one called Instagram? 
Lies, still can't eat solids. We've got that one. We covered that one. Stuart's got five. Uh, here we go. Paula, is it possible to have breast augmentation if I have SVT? Corinne's laughing. Who are you laughing? Oh, gosh, I'm six weeks. Right. So, um, Paula, in itself, yes. So, SVT, viewers, is supraventricular tachycardia, which is a um, problem with the heart and the beating of the heart. And th things like this, Paula, we would liaise and work with your cardiologist because um, is it AF that you've got? Is that the S SVT that you've got? Or is it paroxysmal SVT? Do you just get it every now and then rather than all the time? So these are things we'd have to talk about in a consultation. Sometimes people with SVTs can be on certain types of um, drugs to thin the blood, like um, a Pixaban. It used to be warfarin. Now it's a Pixaban and things like that, um, which can obviously, they're really good at thinning the blood because we don't want the blood clotting in the heart when you, if, you, if, the, if the blood's not pumping properly properly so they're really good for that but obviously if you can have surgery um they would increase your risk of hematoma and bleeding so we'd have to balance that risk and we'd have to see whether we need to do anything in terms of that and if we have to stop it when we stop it when we start it again and we have to work with your cardiologist or whoever's dealing with your svt around that maybe your gp or your cardiologist or whatever so we would write to them and say look is that it, it, you know, is there anything we need to do? The other thing that I would be interested in is to know where you are in terms of your treatment with your SVT. Are you stable with your treatment? You've had it for years and it's all like not changed, or are you changing the treatment and it's all going up and down? And they might be thinking of doing some kind of procedure. They stick wires in, don't they now? And ablate bits and bobs. They do all sorts nowadays. So are they thinking of doing some kind of thing like that? In which case I'll be saying to you, look, if, they, if you're a bit all up in the air with your treatment with your SVT and they might be doing some kind of treatments for it, then perhaps you should wait until they have treated that or they have you have had um, whatever you need to have done and then then we can look at doing your um, breast augmentation because obviously a breast augmentation is um, a planned elective procedure can be done at any time so we want you optimal for it so if your svt treatment is not optimized i would say to you look let's just wait because it sounds like they're trying to get the treatment right or they might be doing this ablation or that or thing or whatever it is and so let's um, wait for that first. Um, since we post up, yeah, I'm just on bisoprolol. Okay, good. That's uh, okay. So that's good. So you're not on a th blood thinner. So that's good. Uh, that's good news. Uh, right, our gallstones, could that be reason for not managing solids? Um, no, I think it's more likely to be the band, isn't it? don't think it's going to be gallstones. Um, I think it's probably more likely to be a physical thing with the band, uh, Rebecca. But it is not my thing, Rebecca. I am not a bariatric surgeon, a weight loss surgeon. I treat people who've lost weight, but I don't do the surgery like gastric bands and stuff like that. So I don't. I am not an expert, Rebecca. So for goodness' sake, don't listen to me when it comes to solids and when you should be. You know, I don't know. But I suspect it wouldn't be the gallstones in my humble opinion Paula thank you will be called to a consultation that's awesome um can I know the person's name to talk to about me not eating solids please uh Rebecca it's on in um on Facebook um Celie on Facebook has just commented on my Facebook and um she's just said you should speak to your team check with your team so I think she's saying you should check with your um uh, people who put the band in on in on whatever no band okay sleeve okay sleeve sorry um who's, you've been sleeved um that's okay uh thank you you're welcome <laughs> very welcome um what about if she's been sleeved Celie? oh she does say after sleeve yeah sleeve um i don't know rebecca but yeah speak to the people who are doing your sleeves sleeve people um right hold on a minute what we've got here Seely. Seely says gastric fantastic is my private group so please join there you go join Seely's um group rebecca called gastric fantastic it's a private facebook group um that you can join and it um and they talk about this sort of thing i'm guessing gastric fantastic stuff so gastric sleeves etc so you'll get experts in there uh rebecca um 
so they should be able to be more helpful i hope carmen how you doing with a tt and mr muscle repair i know what that is now if it's to repair a five to six centimeter dr wow you got your I'm, I'm thinking that's diastasis rectus recti um will i have to have an f flipping l carmen what is going on with your abbreviations hi with a tt and mr if it's to repair a five to six centimeter dr will i have to have a fdl carmen what have you swallowed the the abbreviation book goodness me so with a tummy tuck and muscle repair if it's to repair a five to six centimeter diastasis recti will i have to have a no, Carmen, you will not. I suspect you're asking this, Carmen, because you're worried. Um, well, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm worried. I wonder if you're worried that with a wide diastasis, if you repair a wide diastasis, you'll get a gathering or a bunching of the skin centrally, which is not an unreasonable thing to, to suggest. But in my experience, that's all I can talk about, my own experience, um, you can repair quite a wide diastasis recti. In order to, to repair the diastasis recti, we have to take off or, or sort of undermine the skin overlying the rectus muscle uh, in order to get up the ribcage and to get that diastasis. And in undermine that skin, it then can redrape. When we pull it down, we can redrape it when we pull it down so we don't get like a tethering or a bulging. I'm, I'm guessing that's what you're feeling that might happen. You might get a sort of bulging centrally if we don't. Uh, if we do a big wide repair so um so yeah uh, and actually a five six centimeter diastasis recti is not small don't get me wrong but it's not like you know wow that's outside the um vampirella nurse wow um it's not like it's a way massive like diastasis um, I don't think it will cause a problem. So, um, no, I wouldn't do a flirtily abdominoplasty just because you've got quite a wide diastasis. I would only do it if you had a lot of skin laxity in a side-to-side uh, -side, uh, dimension, uh, personally. But that's how I am. Uh, I, I would go on that. Um, oh, my God. Jackie says, can't hear you. Don't do this to me, Jackie. I'm assuming everyone else can hear me, for the love of God. For the love of God, 212, can you hear me? Oh, look at this. Blur the background. Maybe I shouldn't do this now in the middle of a live. Oh, God. Oh, God. What have I done? Um, well, I'm assuming other people can hear you. Look, Carmen can hear me. Um, there you go. Carmen can hear me. So, oh, the heck? what's happening with Jackie? Sorry, Jackie. Everyone else can hear me. I don't know. It's just it's your turn the volume up. Turn the vo turn the volume up, Jackie. I don't know what to say. Um, Corin can hear me. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's the sort of thing that really Fourth of January, Jackie. You don't need that on the first one of the year. Come on. What are you doing? Um, what's Carmen saying? Few. Yes. Well, I'm worrying about scarring mainly and to have a vertical scar as well petrifies me. So I prefer to avoid that. I've got to be honest with you, Carmen. I don't like that vertical scar of a flirtily. Full disclosure, I do not like that vertical scar of a flirtily. It is, you know, I don't dispute it does take the skin out in a side to side as well as an up down direction. But personally, I do not like that vertical scar. How are you doing, Jackie? Happy New Year. I do not like that vertical scar of a flirtily personally on a on a personal level. But you know. It suits some people um, because it does it does take out more skin, no question. I always thought uh, Fleur de Lis was an ice cream, but to be fair, as a former foodie, that's where my mind always goes. Oh, yeah, uh, Fleur de Lis, no, Fleur de Lis, Seely, is on the shields, you know, like King Arthur's men. It's that sort of... Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah, that's what Fleur de Lis is. It's on the shields of King Arthur's people. Um, oh, she's on here. She's... Um, Seely, Rebecca was asking after you. Rebecca, Seely's on um, face on Instagram now. I don't know if that if, if you can do anything anyway. If you want to know about the Facebook group, um, what's going on now? I'm losing control. 
Um, I always Terry asked you hashtag asked you here. Look at this. Terry is Terry. Yeah. Right, your profile pick, Terry. Um, JJ fixed my 11 centimeter DR and have a <laughs> look at that. See, Carmen, I fixed um, Terry's 11 centimeter DR and did not do a fleur de lis. So, yes, that was a Y diastasis recti. And so, um, so yeah, it it is not a it is not essential just because it's a wide diastasis. Um, uh, what's Max can you hear me? It's just Jackie, right? Yeah, that, thank God for that. Thanks for the compliment. Comprehensive reply. Look at that. Blimey. Um, um, thanks for Maxine. Yes, it's so Jackie. It was your volume, wasn't it? You didn't turn your volume up. I've got, I've got to be honest, I've done that myself on the video calls. People say, I can't hear you. And then I realise I'm muted. Anyway, yeah. Turn your phone around, Jackie. You have the speaker underneath. There you go. Uh, I can hear you now. Good. All sorted. I've been there. Um, how many areas of lipo can you have done at the same time? Thanks. I've got to be honest with you, Elizabeth. I've got to be I've got full. I've got to be honest. I can't say full disclosure. <laughs> so that early with the tucking. I don't like it when people ask me that question. Um, when people say how many how many areas of lipo can you have done at the same time? How much lipo? It's like oh, I've got to be honest, a little bit of a red flag. I'll tell you that. It's like oh, you know how many lipo? I mean, when you have lipo, you should have it for a certain area of resistance fat that is resistant to weight loss. The worry is, and I'm not saying this is you, but the worry is when people ask that question, is they're overweight and they want to lose weight and they want liposuction to, you know, to, 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 to you know, that, that's what worries me, that they're, they're just overweight and they just want liposuction. So how much liposuction can you do? You know, I've just won the lottery. Do some, do, do, do me. Do me. And that is not a, a good candidate for liposuction. Um, liposuction is not a weight loss thing. It is not a global thing. It is a it is a a a, 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 a specific targeted styano. That's a funny name, styano. What's that styano? Um, it's a specific targeted uh, treatment for a resistant area of fat that it does not go with weight loss. It is not for people who have weight. It's for people who've lost weight who have resistant areas of fat. So that is the first alarm bell that rings in my head when someone says, "How much lipo can I, can I have done?" I'm thinking this person is is this because they're overweight and they just want to have a completely different body. They want to, you know, I want to look like that person over there. Like I'm not, I'm like that's that's just not realistic. So uh, that's my first thing. My second thing about that is. Um, was there a second thing? I'm not sure if there was a second thing, to be honest with you. That's the main thing. But since I said a second thing, I'm going to do a second thing. So the second thing is, um, you know, there's there's no there's no limit on on how many areas that you treat with liposuction. Because what are you call in an area? You know, you've got your hips, your thighs, your flanks. You know, they sort of merge. Are you going to call that one area or is that three areas? Or, you know, um, so upper abdomen, lower abdomen, hips, you know, so there's no limit. The main thing about liposuction is the volume of liposuction removed. So that is more the, um, you know, restricting factor than the number of areas treated. Um, I guess the only thing about number of areas treated is you've got to think about keeping you warm. You don't want to be too cold. So you don't want to expose your whole body and do liposuction to your arms, then your lateral chest wall, then your thighs, then your knees. Then, you know, it's, it can be difficult keeping you warm. So that would be one thing about having multiple areas. But if it's just a small amount for each area, that could, you know, we always cover you up and put a, put a warmer on, you know, the bits once we finish them. So the main issue for me is more the volume of lipo um, aspirate. Because if you remove a lot of fat um, during liposuction, um, then you can get fluid shifts, which means that you get swelling. Uh, when you do liposuction, it naturally will swell. And the swelling 
is basically fluid going from the intravascular to the extravascular space. So fluid going from inside the bloodstream, basically, which is the intravascular space, into the tissues and because uh, of the trauma, and that's what causes the swelling. So, But that fluid shift reduces the amount of fluid in your bloodstream, and that means you can feel weak and wobbly and basically collapse, uh, essentially, because you, your intravascular um, fluid uh, will drop and you can collapse, not because of blood loss, but because of fluid that's gone from the intravascular space that's, that's gone out. So you can you can have problems for that. So you, you've got to be very careful in terms of the fluid balance and monitor that and put you on a drip if you're having large blood, uh, large volumes of liposuction, keep an eye on you and things. And by large volumes, really, I think most people would say five liters would be a large, large volume of liposuction. I've got to be honest with you, Elizabeth, I don't know, just to answer you, I mean, I don't know what where, where you are on this, but I don't really do big, big volume liposuctions. I can't remember doing more than two liters i might i might have but it's certainly not a common thing very common for me to do more than one liter i'm normally around the one to two, to two liter mark is where i am on liposuction so i very rarely do large volume so i don't really get up to that five liter mark i'm not one of these people who do sort of whole body contouring with liposuction all over the shop um but it's more the volume elizabeth rather than the the numbers of areas that um that um that causes a problem T uh carmen terry burton would love to see it terry burton would love to see it terry burton happy to in okay so carmen wants to see the the non fleurly right the, the tummy tuck happy to inbox you good so yes good carry on doing whatever that is in the background here we go elizabeth elizabeth five arm and bra roll bmi 27 oh well there you go elizabeth so you're not in the big like you're not overweight basically elizabeth so i apologize for uh, casting aspersions earlier i wasn't talking uh, specifically about you i was just talking in general <laughs> sorry about that um okay so you're not overweight so yeah so let's have a look so thigh arm and bra roll yeah i mean it's just, yeah that'd be fine that'd be fine put it like that the only thing is I'm thinking about positioning and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, arm and bra roll are, are good together because they're next to each other. Thigh. And the other thing about thigh, you've got to be careful about what areas you treat with liposuction because outer thigh is good, inner thigh not so good. So some areas respond well to liposuction. I've got to be honest, actually, as, as well, Elizabeth, this is me as well, so you, other people have different views on this. I don't think arm's that good to liposuction. Um, but BMI 27 it depends if you've lost a lot of weight. If you've lost a lot of weight, um, the skin can be a problem with the with the arm. Um, so the bra roll here and the outer thigh, yeah, those are potentials. Um, arm, I have to have a look at that one. Um, so not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. Oh my God, Terry has inboxed me and she looks fab. Okay, Carmen, good. That's a lot while we've been on air. Look at that. That is the sort of live things that happen. The connections that get made. Thank you, Terry, for inboxing Carmen and showing that you don't need to have a thirdly tummy tuck uh, if you have a white diastasis. Um, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, good luck with that, Elizabeth. Um, so I'd just be a bit... But those those areas, thigh, arm and bra roll are fine. That's nowhere near out of the... And also you are... you um, BMI 27, you're fine in terms of the... There's no way you'd have a lot of fat to be um, liposucked, as it were. Uh, yeah, very good, very good. Um, what's going on here? You, um, you're funny, funny? What do you mean funny, Rebecca? It's a serious Q&A. What are the flanks, JJ? Okay, Corey. What are the flanks? Oh, Christ. Flanks are here. Here. So the hips are here. The flanks are here. These are the flanks. And the back, you know, where you... Hips, flanks. So, um, you know your kidneys down the back? That are your flanks. Uh, Seely, do you think my gallstones are causing the pain? Oh, sorry, right. Rebecca's asking Seely now. Blimey neck. Oh, he's going off. Lost control of the chat. I tell you, Rebecca's talking to Seely. Carmen's talking to Terry. I don't know. I'm just a facilitator here. I'm in the middle of it all. Right. Anyway, um, right. What we got? I've got a question here. 
Um, muffin tops. No, not muffin. Muffin tops. I don't think. <laughs> That's not muffin tops, is it? Isn't muffin tops? Isn't muffin? Oh god, I gotta Google this. Or love handles, you mean? I thought muffin tops was here. Here, here. Muffin tops. Wasn't it? That's not muffin tops. I don't know. I'm not good on the on the on the parley. I've got to be honest with you, Corin. I am not bringing people together. It's love handles. I'm with love handles. It's love hand. Oh, I've got cramps in my leg. Oh. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I think it's love handles. Doesn't have full of cupcakes yet. I don't think it's muffin tops. Sorry, it's got cramps. There. Oh, it's all that up and down. Oh, it's all this exhaustion after the Christmas break. Oh, I'm exhausted. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, hilarious, Rebecca. Got cramp. Always thought it was muffin tops. Corin, I don't know if it is muffin tops. I really don't know. I I didn't think it was muffin tops. But having said that, I don't use that terminology in the in the uh in the medical setting chop the leg off problem solved i've got to be honest with you it's my thigh so i have to chop it above oh oh i'm all right now oh brad where you been where you been when we need you brad honestly god it's an all go i tell you all go um right come on put it together bring it back muffin top is waste love handles is flanks i thought muffin top was central I thought muffin was sort of mons, basically. Mons, yeah? Often talk about the mons on this. Um, that's what I thought, but I'm not an expert in in uh, in uh, street street banter for um, areas of the abdomen. So, uh, can you talk about scarring after mole removal? Um, tell me, uh, Thursday, ready for action. Oh, Brad, you're not in Wednesday. Oh, you don't do Wednesday, do you? Thursday. Where, was it? Was it as in middle? Oh my God! Someone's phoning me. Someone's phoning me. Instagram video. What? This hasn't happened before. I can't answer that, can I? What happens if I answer that on a live video? I, I'm going to have to put the phone down on this. But sorry. Instagram video. How can you phone on Instagram video? What's that all about? What is, this is getting quite frightening now. Flipping heck. Right, anyway. Good laugh at me tonight. Well, Corin, I don't know. Maybe it is. Muted JJ. Sound is gone. Oh god, someone um someone called someone called me on the on the Instagram video, it said. Has the sound gone? How do I get the sound back? Uh, oh there you go. Sorry I didn't answer the call, but your sound has gone on Instagram. We can't hear you. Right, okay. What can I do? <laughs> oh, God. Um. No. Um, well, I'm not saying anything. Uh, right. So, basically, what happened? It's not the mute button. It's not the mute. Someone called me, and then it went. They called me on the Instagram video, and then it went. Sorry, Facebook. I'll be with you in a second. Um, what should I do? Should I go and come back? They 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 called they called me on the Instagram video. And then it just went. No, that's not right. Um, is there no sound? Still no sound. I'm going to leave and come back. I'm going to leave and come back. I'm leaving. Um, 
how do I leave? Um, God, share. Sorry, Facebook. Are you still there? Is anyone still there on Facebook? I've had problems on Instagram. Um, um, someone phoned me. I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I, well, I didn't. I didn't do anything. Um, what's going on now? Requests. What's this? I really regret. Oh my god. Um, oh my god, what's happened? It's okay, it's okay. Back, oh, I don't know. Anyway, still here. Yes, I am still here. I, I'm sorry. Right, I'm back on Instagram. Part two, take two. Um, that was orcs. I'll tell you what, I don't know what happened there. I got a call basically, and then the sound went. It had nothing to do with me. Um, I don't know what happened with the mute. I tried to unmute it. Is the sound working? Is the sound working? Sound working on is working now. Yeah, good. Right, okay. Right, question. Time to swallow it at night. Well, I've got I'm only to start my questions, Corinne. Um, what time is it? Yeah, god, dear, oh dear. Right, here we go. So, um, here we go. Let's do this question here. Rebecca says no sound. What do you mean no sound, Rebecca? Brad said it was working. Is there no sound on Instagram? Is there any sound on Instagram? No? No sound on Instagram? Is there any sound? Fraser, is there any sound on Instagram? Is it working? Yes, got sound. Okay, phew. Right, okay, let's get this over with, guys. Come on. Let's push through. Okay. Can you talk about scarring after mole removal? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. What do I say about scarring after mole removal? Goodness me. Um, I mean, the main thing that I say to people about scarring after mole, thank you, Theresa, thank you, about mole removal is it does cause scars. I think that's exhibit A. I don't know what, I don't know what this question was specifically asking about. Um, it's, um, but the main point that I try and make to patients who are having a mole removed is there will be a scar. Because a lot of people think that because we're plastic surgeons, we don't leave scars. And the fact of the matter is that we do leave scars. Um, I mean, we do our best to hide the scars and minimize the scars and what have you. But there is always a scar of some description. Having said that, you do get people who have moles removed, particularly from the face, who where it heals up so well that you can't see the scar. That doesn't mean there isn't one there, but you can't see it. So they, you get often get people say, oh, I had a mole removed and it didn't leave a scar. Now, the fact of the matter is that if you if you damage the tissue, certainly if you're damaging the full thickness of the tissue, it's going to leave a scar. Fact. The only time that doesn't happen is in the fetus. Don't ask me why. They're trying to work it out. There's loads of research on that sort of stuff. Um, but um, fetus doesn't, uh, the, the fetus doesn't, doesn't scar. Um, but um, once you're born, you, you scar. So, uh, and the scar's red to start with, and then it fades over time. It does take months for it to fade. Um, but yeah, that, and, and there are different types of scarring, depending on the different types of the way we remove the mole, whether we cut it out or whether we shave it off. Um, the pattern of scarring is slightly different, but both times they are red and obvious, and then they fade over time. So yeah, that, that's that's the main thing, and and we would talk to you specifically about what sort of scar would look on your face because some people have natural lines, wrinkles, have a, have a mole maybe in an area where we can hide the scar in one of the natural lines of the of the face. Um, others might have no lines or wrinkles, like you know, like myself. We bought and paid for this is, um, and then it's more difficult to hide the mole if it's sort of in the middle of the forehead or middle of the cheek or something like that because it will create a little line which will look like a wrinkle one day, but if you haven't got any wrinkles now, then it can look a bit more obvious. Um, what are the risks of having surgery with a high BMI? This goes back a bit of what we were talking about earlier with the liposuction and the um, liposuction not being a surgery for people who are overweight. 
the problem when you do pay, pay, uh, do surgery on patients who are overweight is with surgery. So basically, there's I guess there's cosmetic problems with operating on people with high BMI and and um, um, surgical or co surgical complication type problems um, with operating on people. So the, the cosmetic problems are that you are just operating on one part of the body. So you are not globally changing the shape of the body. So it's very important to realize if you have got a high BMI, if you're not happy with the shape of your body, we can do things to change parts of that. So we can do things to perhaps reduce your breasts or to remove a, an overhang, an abdominal apron, um, you know, or to remove excess skin on your arms or whatever it may be to try and help to contour that specific area, but it is not contouring the whole body. And so your rest of your body will still look the same as how it looks. So that's something very important to realize that if you are overweight, pre-op, you will still be overweight post-op. Your body won't be transformed. So, um, and then specifically there are increased risks in terms of complications, um, uh, wound infections, um, chest infections, pneumonia, DVT, PE, clots in your legs, far up into your lungs. Um, and when they've done the studies, they've looked, usually looked at the BMI 30, which is your BMI cutoff um, between overweight and obese. Um, but if your BMI is above 30, um, the suggestion is that there is an increased risk of getting problems than if your BMI was below 30. So, um, so you're going to have a more of a risk of getting a complication in terms of wound healing and potentially respiratory problems or, or uh, complications or, or clots and, and what have you. And you'll, you may well not get the cosmetic result you want because you're, you know, you're, you'll still be overweight afterwards. It's just that we'll remove that abdominal apron or whatever. And what you really want to try and avoid to do is to have surgery. And I totally understand if you say, oh, I'm overweight. Um, I can't lose weight because of this apron or because of my breasts or because of whatever the area is that you're considering having treated. And then when I, you know, when you have the breast reduction, I'd be able to lose weight better. And I understand that. But if you have surgery and then you go on to lose weight afterwards, you're going to get a worse result. If it's your breasts, your breasts might droop, they might get smaller, shape might go. If it's your tummy, you might get more excess skin on your tummy, which we could have made tighter if you'd lost the weight first. So it's always better lose weight before having surgery and to get to an ideal weight that you're comfortable with and that you're happy with before having surgery. Um, what's Naomi got? I may mean to lose two stone before I have surgery, breast uplift, potentially with implants, but I'd still be in a high BMI. So this is an interesting um, issue, Naomi. And I always say to people, people say, what BMI do I need to be? I don't really have a specific number. If you push me for it, I'd give you a number of 30 because that's where they've done the studies and what have you. But sometimes people have a BMI above 30, but like perhaps like yourself, I don't know what your BMI is, but that's just, you know, there are people out there who've got a BMI above 30 who are happy with their weight. They might have lost a lot of weight. They might have had a BMI 40 before and they might have a BMI 32 now. And they might say, look, you know what? I don't want to be below 30. I'm happy where I am. I, I feel gone. I look gone. You know, I don't. I'm like, well, you know, then you've got to make a judgment on it um, because you might say, well, look, I'm happy with my body. It's just this is out of proportion, whatever it may be, your breasts or whatever. Um, so, you know, then, then you've got to make a judgment on it to see whether, you know, so you can operate on people with a high BMI is, is what I'm saying, um, as long as you're happy with your body and just, just, just you know, the way you look and, and, and happy with your weight, basically. If you're happy with your weight and you've still got a high BMI, then it is possible to have surgery. You're still going to be an increased risk of complications, but the cosmetic side of things would be perhaps more um, acceptable. Uh, Kerry, I can't wait for my surgery. I had a consultation next week, but I've lost almost one and a half stones since I first saw you. God, Kerry, what have you been up to? Look at you, people losing stones left, right, and centre. Um, if I, I, I can't wait either, Kerry. Naomi, if I lost the amount of weight required to be 30 BMI, I'd look skeletal thanks to my height. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but there are people out there who feel that they don't want to be a BMI 30 and they feel comfortable being about BMI above them. And those, uh, those people, you have to have a conversation to say, look, 
you've got a higher risk of complications in terms of your wound healing and your respiratory complications, DVTs and things. If you're happy with your weight, then, you know, then we can have a discussion about whether we do surgery or not. I have breast implants since 2010, but in the past three weeks, they've become incredibly sore and painful. I initially thought it might be my HRT, so I stopped this for a week to see if it settled, but it hasn't. I've read this could be a reaction to my COVID booster as in an immune response. I just wondered if you would know if this could be the case. And if so, do you think I need to see someone? My GPs say they are only seeing emergencies and this is not classed as an emergency. Um, I, I haven't read that. I've got to be honest. I haven't read that you can get a... Uh, reaction to COVID booster giving you pain uh, and soreness in your implants so I don't I am not aware of that now the COVID booster is an immune is, is something which will affect your immune system but from a scientific point of view your implants shouldn't have any effect on your immune system and I know there are people out there who describe problems like breast implant illness, who say the implants are made them feel ill and cause all sorts of problems. But there's no medical reason that silicone implants should give you an immune response. An immune response is due to uh, an antigen and your body forming antibodies, which then attacks that antigen and destroys it, which are on tissue or viruses or bacteria, um, and your body produces antibodies against them. A piece of silicone, a silicone implant, does not have any antigens. A piece of silicone, a silicone implant, will not um, create an immune response. It might create an inflammatory response, but not an immune response. Um, so I'm not aware of how that would work, but I, I don't know if you've read that it, I'm not saying it's not a thing, but it's not something that I would think would be a thing. And I've got to be honest, if you've had sore and painful uh, breast for the last three years, uh, three weeks, and you've had your implants in since 2010, which is 11, 12 years now, uh, 11 years. Um, I've got to be honest, I always say to people with implants in, if you have a problem, you've got to seek help. But the problem statistically is probably more likely to be due to your breast tissue than your implant, because your breast is made up of implant and breast. And you're more likely to have a problem with your breast tissue causing the problem rather than the implant. In a way, it's academic because at the moment you've just got pain and soreness and you want to know. You don't sort of care whether it's the implant or your breast. You just want to get it looked at and and, uh, and seen to. So, but it but it is probably more likely to be due to your uh, your breast tissue. Um, and what I would say is, you know, obviously go back to your person and put the implants in, but they may or may not be around anymore. Um, and you know, I, the GP says they're only seeing emergencies. I mean, I, I think breast, pain, the soreness and painful, you know, breast for three weeks would class as an emergency. If they call it, I mean, it, it's not an emergency because an emergency is just, you know, you cut your finger off. But if they're saying they're only seeing people who are sort of um, urgent cases, should we say, um, I'd say it's probably more urgent than emergency. Um, but I would class that as, as an urgent case because, you know, breast, not so much of the implants, more like things like breast cancer and things. I don't want to worry you, but, you know, painful and sore breast you need to you need to get it seen to is it your implant is it to be honest if it's your implant i would probably be less worried but um i'd be more aware of the fact that there's a breast there and uh recent onset of soreness and, and pain needs to be investigated i would suggest so i would say that that would class as an emergency or at least an urgent thing in my book mind you um, I lost you. Thanks, JJ. I was worried that you wouldn't operate because of the BMI. I do plan losing weight as I'm on a body transformation journey, but the amount of weight loss required to be the ideal BMI would not look right for my stature. Absolutely. And, and you're not alone on that one, Naomi. Um, I discussed with in the book conversation. Yeah, you're not alone, Naomi. And I do see people who have a higher BMI than um, on paper, you you would say. But And, and it's the same the other way, Naomi. If you've got a BMI 29, and you want to lose weight i'd say to you look lose weight first you know don't uh, have the surgery now lose weight first and uh, and, uh, and and wait until your right weight is ideal 
So there's nothing magical happens at 30. So you can have a BMI above 30 and, 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 and be okay or below 30 and actually be better off losing weight if you're not happy where, where you are. So it's stable and comfortable with your weight is more, is more, more important. Um, <clears throat> can we remove scar tissue two years post-op mandible incision? Quite specific. Um, yeah. Yeah. We can. So, I mean, you can remove scar tissue. I mean, two years post-op is good. I don't know if the two years is like, if they're asking if that's too long or too short. But basically, in terms of doing stuff with scar tissue, you want to wait until that scar is completely mature, which is at least a year, really. So two years is good. That's good you've left it two years. Um, but we can remove scar tissue at any time. The only problem with doing that, and again, it comes back to plastic surgeons not leaving scars, fine we'll remove that scar tissue no problem at all there you go we'll remove that scar tissue that scar tissue is gone then what do we do we stitch it up don't we and we create another scar so we always create another scar the hope is that our scar will be better than the first scar but there's got to be a particular problem with the first scar for us to go ahead and do surgery and, and actually remove it for you for us to think we're going to give you a tangible benefit because you're still going to have a scar but if there's a specific problem with the scar then we might be able to transform it into a better scar, but it will still be a scar. But uh, yeah, two years post-op is, is reasonable. Reasonable. Are eyebrow tattoos suitable for surgery? Um, yeah, I mean, I talk about sort of location and the, and the um, size of the tattoo and eyebrow tattoos are usually linear, which is good because it's the size in the minimal dimension. So they can be quite long, but they're quite narrow. So that's quite good. So that, in those terms, they are suitable surgery. The problem with eyebrow tattoos um, is that it is going to leave a scar. So cutting out that uh, tattoo there will leave a scar. And we would aim to hide the scar in the natural eye eyebrow. I don't know anything about this patient with, with, a, with a, what their natural eyebrows are like, but scars don't have hair on them. So there is hair growing on either side, but the actual scar itself won't have hair on it. So we pretty aim to put the scar on the edge of the eyebrow. You won't want to put it in the middle of the eyebrow because then you'd have a line. But when people have a scar on their head and their hair is short, you see a line because there'll be no hair on the scar. So you want to put it on the edge, um, probably on the upper border of the eyebrow and hope that that eyebrow will hide it. Um, but that is the worry that if it doesn't hide it, then you might have an obvious scar, um, which is a worry. So depending on how bad your eyebrow tattoos are. So it's not, it's a bit of a worry, put it like that, that uh, you might have a visible scar that you might not be happy with. So trading one thing you're unhappy with with another thing you're unhappy with might not be a great trade. So, um, Does the purse string suture for areola reduction cause puckering or increased tension at the site? Yes, it does. So this is a um, good question, actually. This is a good question. Not that the others weren't. They've all been good, but this is a particularly good one. Um, so when you do an areola reduction, you create uh, you create, you remove a donut of, of skin and you suture a big circle into a small circle. So um, does it cause puckering? Yes, it does. So that big circle goes to a small circle, which means that we have to pucker the skin. You might look at it and think, oh my God, that's not stitched very well. It's, it's, it's always puckered because that big circle is bigger than the, the smaller circle we're, we're moving it into. Um, so having said that the puckers do tend to settle but they are always there so um they do tend to settle and they do tend to flatten off uh, so they're worse when you first have it than later on and the hope is that they will blend in and it will look fine but that is something to be aware of they will be quite puckered to start with and then fade over time increased tension of the site yes as well so puckering and increased tension it, it, both of them now and it depends on how big the areola is. The bigger the areola, the more tension there'll be. So the bigger the discrepancy of where the size of the areola is now compared to where you want it to be, the more tension there's going to be. So there is going to be tension on that wound. And what's that tension going to want to do? It's going to want to stretch that wound. It's going to want to stretch and go back to how it was. It was quite happy. Your areola is quite happy as it is now. It's quite happy as it was before. So if you close something under tension, the worry is that it'll stretch back out again. And so that is a very real risk when doing an areola reduction. And it's a higher risk the bigger the areola because the more tension there is. If you take big, you know, if you cut close something under a lot of tension, you want it wants to ping apart. 
So there are things we do to reduce that. Personally, one of the things I do um, is we is I use a permanent suture. I use a permanent suture to bring the to bring the tension off that uh, off that um, areola to reduce the risk of recurrence. Now it doesn't make it zero, and I have had to re um, revise some areola reductions, so it doesn't make it zero um, because obviously if the if the knot fails, it'll just open up again. Um, but it reduces the risk compared to using a dissolving suture. There are bad things. One, as I say, if the knot fails, it comes uh, back. And also, if you can feel the knot, it is difficult because you don't really want to remove the knot. Um, if it was a dissolvable suture, you might remove the knot after some months once it's dissolved or it might just dissolve on its own. But a permanent suture, if you can feel the knot, you might always be able to feel the knot. So that can be an issue. You can try and bury it and do things. So there are issues with doing a... Um, um, a permanent suture, but I believe it's um, it's beneficial because it reduces the risk of um, recurrence because of the increased tension at the site. But there is definitely increased um, tension there. What we got here, Mrs. K, how are you doing, Mrs. K? Wow, nice pumpkin. Uh, hi, JJ. If you have eight pounds to shift to get your ideal weight, do you need to try and shift this before you have a tummy tuck, or will it make little difference to your postal results? Thanks. I would always say, Mrs. K. Do it first. And I know what you're saying. Oh, it's not going to be a huge amount and things like that. I would always say do it first. You're going to get a better result. You're going to get less risk of complications. And you might say, well, actually, I want to have surgery at this date because of this things in my life happening and this is a better date for me. I'd be like, well, that's fine. It wouldn't be a thing that I wouldn't say, look, don't do surgery. But I think in general terms, if you're asking a question, this is an elective procedure. It's a planned procedure. It can be done at any time. So I would say don't put any pressure on yourself. Don't rush into anything. Oh, I'll lose the eight pounds afterwards. I would get your weight right first. Get it weight right. Get your weight right and get it stable. It's unpredictable how much of an effect it will have. It might have no effect. It might have a big effect. We don't know. No one knows until you've done it. And so it's always best to do it first because you don't know what effect it'll have on the post-op result so just take that out of the equation and lose weight first if you can as i say if you for whatever reason you want to have the surgery before as long as your weight's not too bad it's something you could consider but my advice would always be to lose weight first and then have the surgery wow nice one mrs k thank you very much for that listen guys 2022 4th of January, you saw it here, first Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, live of the year. Um, 51 more to go. If you've got any questions, for goodness sake, ask them. Post them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever, or email us or ring us or whatever. Mrs. K's come back at me last minute, excuse me. Doing the outro there. Do you also use nerve blocks during surgery? What surgeries are we talking about here? Uh, tummy tuck. Personally, what I do for a tummy tuck, Mrs. K, is I do, I put local anesthetic into your rectus sheath at the time of doing the, the rectus uh, repair, bring those muscles together, uh, and not nothing else. Sometimes some of the anesthetists at some places do like to do sort of intercostal blocks and things, um, but um, which is up to the anesthetist. But it's not a routine thing in my practice. It's just the rectus sheath block that I put in, and I uh, inject local anaesthetic directly into the rectus sheath while doing the uh, the muscle repair. And if you're doing that, then there's no real need to do a um, nerve block if you're if you're putting local anaesthetic into the rectus sheath. So sorry, why are you sorry, Mrs. K? We need comments. Tummy tuck. Yeah. So tummy tuck, that's the only nerve block that I do. I do a, a, a local rectus sheath block. I don't do any other types of block. But I do know that people do do, as I say, intercostal and things like that. But um, when I've, some sometimes the anaesthetists have said they're going to do intercostal blocks, and I say I'll put local anaesthetic into the rectus sheath, and I'll say, oh, well, there's no point. But um, I do know that people do do intercostal blocks and what have you for tummy tucks. That's question. Come back at me if it hasn't. Feel free. Um, so, yeah. Next Tuesday, God willing, what's happening next Tuesday? No idea, but anyway, same time, same place. See you here. Uh, got any questions? Call me or message me or Instagram me, and I will pop, 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 pop. I will see you same time.
Live long and prosper. 2022, let's uh, make it happen. Peace be with you. Stop the stream. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.